adjusted, but so I'll be teaching again this week. How many ready to study the word this morning? So this parasha can be taught in various different ways. This parasha is entitled Korach, or Korah's Rebellion. And today I'll start the teaching at Bamibar chapter 16, verses 3 through 4, which says the following. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourself, for all the congregation is holy every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Uh, before I continue, you know, it's interesting that this group of people, they, they really are truly politicians. Um, they, 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 they work up, upstream and they work downstream. And, and just listening to the words the way they position their wording. You know, you take too much upon yourselves. Talking to the leadership of Moshe and Aharon, uh, trying to, in essence, manipulate or, or try to alleviate some of the things to get their own motives across or get more power and more authority in their hands. Here we see that they thought that all the members of the congregation were holy, and therefore Moshe and Aharon had no right to be the only authority over them. Now that goes contrary to the scriptures. You read where God lays out the foundation of authority, where he starts, how it begins, what the roles were to be played. And these individuals were truly in the category of the priesthood that they belonged. However, they wanted a higher position. And they tried to manipulate this through some, some mo momentum that we'll talk about. Now, listen to these scriptures. These rebels were trying to build momentum with the people to influence them. And I think the Korok leaders were saying the congregation was holy to build a consensus. This is managing down, as I shared. This is a way of manipulating, managing down, building consensus, which appeared to work based upon the congregation's reaction after, the Kor after Korok and those associated with him were destroyed. You can see that they, they, uh, Moshe had to deal with them because they were, uh, many were very upset because of what happened to Korok and those were around. Today, many people believe that all religions are okay and lead to the same place with God. That they have equal authority in God's eyes when Yeshua is not even a part of their momentum-building hierarchy. I don't know. I, I, I see where many congregations and many denominations spend more time talking about social functions, social matters, than spending time in God's word. Um, and, or even talking about Yeshua. Now, look at the parallel here. It is Yeshua who was prophesied to be raised up like Moshe Rabino. Davarim 18, 15 through 18 says this. 
The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall fear, according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. One can see that it is not unusual that many are trying to undermine Yeshua like Korah tried with Moshe. But there is a response to these people who, have take, who take the position of many ways to God. And that as, is as expressed and as I shared last week in last week's teaching, there is only one way to the Father and that is through the Son who is Yeshua. Now today's teaching is not intended to be one on leadership and it's not intended to be one on undermining uh, that goes on in religious denominations. But today's focus is on the people of the body of Yeshua. For you see, another rebellion is coming in the order of magnitude of the Korach rebellion, and this time it is against Yeshua. Momentum is building, people. You need to ask yourself this question Are we there yet? But before we go any further, let's read the destination of the rebellious ones, the spirit of Antichrist in the world, and at the end of the book to see what happens. For like Korak, these rebellious ones will go the way of Korak. Revelation 19, 19 through 20 says this. And I saw the beasts, the king of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make a war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Today we are talking about Korach's momentum building. In the people dwelling in the body of Yeshua, as we face events, as we face times, and as we face things never before experienced before Yeshua's return. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12 says this. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Messiah had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know that what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only who, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, 
whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan and with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the, the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And when we read the words lawless, that really means that no one's following law. No one follows God's instruction. And so everyone sets their own way and their own direction on how they live their lives. This rebellion that is to happen in the future will result in many plagues, many deaths, and destruction. Now back to Korok's momentum building. Bami Bar 16, numbers 16, 6 through 10 says the following. Do this. Take censers, Korah, and all your company. Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to serve them, and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you? And are you seeking the priesthood also? They were not happy with the service responsibility and performing those services as they were instructed to be. The role that they had, they were not happy with. They had aspirations or desires to have a bigger position, which was they were not entitled to have. Bami Bar, Numbers 16, 12 through 15 says this. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Aviram, the sons of Eliav, but they said, we will not come up. It is a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you should keep acting like a prince over us. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. You, will you put out the eyes of these men? Will, we will not come up. Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. These men were filled with bitter hatred. They refused to appear. This was a great falling away from God and his leaders, Moshe and Aharon. Misleading by leadership that does not follow God's commands, and many are swayed to go along with it. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 through 10, chapter 12, 1, and chapter 12, 12, which says the following. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. 
For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me and have made a king over you. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Amorites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. You know, this is a prime example of history repeating itself. We saw it with Moshe, and now we read with, with the prophets in, in this time frame, the people wanted a king. They didn't want judges. They didn't want that structure that God had created. They wanted a king just like all the nations around about. Here, God says, don't take it person, Samuel. The people reject me. God does not work as a democracy. When it comes to his matters, it is his way or the highway to hell. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 and verses 11 and 12 says this. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will, come, will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And for this reason God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Deception delusion continues to get worse and worse over the years we've seen it happen it continues to get worse it takes different spins and twists and 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 we're told lies but we have to continue to ask ourselves are we there yet say it with me are we there yet so what should believers avoid? Denominations, groups of people who look at our faith as a democracy. That's what you should avoid. Why? Because the people get tainted with the leadership's rebellious actions as a result of momentum building and then that momentum building has an impact on the people. Look at Bami Bar, Numbers 16, 41 through 44, which says this. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complain against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. See, their momentum building took hold. You see the impact it had that those leaders had on these people? Go ahead, continue. Now it happened, when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron, that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting, and suddenly the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, They believe the falseness and the twistedness against God's word that Korach had orchestrated and done. They liked what Korach had to say. He said that they were a holy people. 
and the momentum building had worked. It is what itching ears wanted to hear, but that wasn't God's choice in the matter. Now look at the parallel in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7, through 7, which says this. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying... Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they will they willing, willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that, that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now look at the, remember this, what Yeshua said about momentum building in Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 through 19, which says this. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then, he is, then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they, they heard that this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Yeshua said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. You know, one, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. And then, there, and then in that commandment, it also has something that says God's reaction to those that do that, that he will not relent from that. You see here where once people take a position and they convince all of the people that are listening to them and those positions are against God's commandments that's using God's name in vain that is using God's words and his name and his authority in vain and God will not for, re, relent against those like Korak like others that mislead the people Evil inclinations go contrary to the word of God, but it is the word of God that keeps us in check and in safety. Many believers of this day rebel against God's word in the form of lukewarmness. Today you meet more nice people than you meet, quote, Christians or believers. Nice people, it seems that word is the politically correct 
word for Christians today. Nice people Christians equate to lukewarm congregational people. Revelation 3, 14 through 18 says this. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eyesalve, that you may see. In these end days, fire is spoken of many times and in many ways. Lukewarm as to the deception coming on the earth. Revelation 3:19 says this. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be jealous and repent. Ribbetsini Vaughn shared with me as uh, uh, somebody that she was listening to today. Many Christians are, this week, many Christians are reacting to the Roe v. Wade. And some are actually saying, you know what, we need to love those others that are, that are acting the way they're acting. And she shared with me with a response that one individual had said. It said, you know what, love isn't necessarily uh, a good thing. Sometimes love comes with harshness. And if you really love someone, you need to correct them, and you correct them with the word. And that's what God does for us. He's created the word as instruction for us so that we stay in check and that we're safe. And that's what the definition of true love is. If you don't correct your children, it's hard to say that you love them because they may go on a path that would harm them along the way. Greater than even before, if you find yourself falling into this trap of the enemy, you need to repent. Are you there yet? 2 Thessalonians 3.6 and 2 Thessalonians 3.14-17 says this. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salvation of Paul, the salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write. Now let's turn our attention to Bobby Barr, Numbers chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, and, and verses 8 through 10, which says this. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod 
from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's house, 12 rods. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony, where I, met, where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I chose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back from bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Aaron's rod is a, is a symbolism of authority, and God's establishing that authority um, for guiding the people. We all need to be under the authority, in, instruction, and direction that was laid out through Aaron's rod because it is the foreshadowing of Yeshua, of which we follow through his authority on how we live and how we are part of his royal priesthood. Aaron's rod was a sign against rebels. Hebrews 9.4 says this, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. This sign was significant enough to be kept in the Ark as a memorial as to God's authorized representative. Just like Yeshua being raised from the dead through the Ruach HaKodesh after being crucified. This event is confirmation of who he is as God, as evidenced by the prophets through his word. Romans 8.11 and Ephesians 1.19 says this. But if the spirit of him who raised Yeshua from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Messiah from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? People, you cannot be lukewarm, especially in these end days. You need to be fired up. Sound like Biden? Fired up. No. You need to be fired up! Just like Jeremiah was fired up. Jeremiah 29 says this. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Are we there yet? Time has a tendency to wear us out and down. But Hebrews 6, 11 and 12 says this. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, 
that you do not become sluggish, but intimate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So let's be encouraged by these words today. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 15 says this. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Remember these things. Remember these examples. Look around and keep asking yourself, are we there yet? Yeshua said, if you don't come as a live, why were we talking about, are we there yet? Well, Yeshua said, if you don't come as a little child, you won't enter into the kingdom. So how many remember yourselves or your children or your grandchildren asking when going on a journey or going on vacation, are we there yet? Why did they ask? Because of their impatient anticipation and excitement, right? That's why they were asking, are we there yet? Well, in closing, stay excited for the journey you're on and keep asking, are we there yet? That is anticipation at its best and is the right momentum building for Yeshua's army in preparation of his return. Amen? It is our duty to praise the master of all, to ascribe greatness to the author of creation. For he's made us unlike the nations of the lands and has not placed us like the families of the earth. He's not made our portion like theirs and our lot like their multitudes. And we bend the knee and bow and acknowledge our thanks before the king over kings, the holy one blessed be he. He stretches out heaven and establishes earth's foundation. And the seat of his glory is in the heavens above and the presence of his powers in the most exalted heights. He is our God, there is none other. True is our king, there is nothing beside him as it is written in his Torah. And you shall know this day and take to your heart that the Lord he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below, there is none other. Amen. A scripture quick before we start. It's the Revelation 3 that we read. If you would have kept reading, I think this is pretty awesome. It's where he goes off on the church of Laodicea. Basically tells them that they're wicked and evil, but then he doesn't leave them forsaken. And that's what's beautiful about this scripture. You know, where we read that, you know, I know your deeds, you're neither cold or hot and he wished that you were cold or hot but because you're lukewarm neither hot or cold I'll spit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing the church is doing that I mean that is like clear as day I think when we read these scriptures it's important to to put yourself in the position, know your position in life, where you're at, and then who are you in this? A lot of times we like to just put ourselves in the same position of the one that God is saying is doing everything right. But like think about Korok's rebellion. Think about what the people were saying to Korah. 
how they were treating Moses. I mean, what, what Korah was saying to, and the 3,000 people were saying to Moses, think about your own life, where you work, where you reside, who you, what community you're part of. What part of, who are you in that, in that story? We're not always Moses. But everybody takes, you know, when you read the scripture, you always think that I'm the one that's like Moses. No, put yourself in the position. Like, which one of these people in this scripture am I? Have I complained? Have I murmured? Have I tried to take over? Have I, you know, we've all done it. We've been Korah. Or we've been Moses. You know, Moses looks and says, I don't owe you a donkey. I don't owe you anything. Right? Well, who are we asking that owes us? The world is seeking to become wealthy, which I think is very interesting. It's like the church of Laodicea. To want for nothing. The world is looking to want for nothing in the physical. And God says to them, you are a wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked person. You have no idea the richness of who I am. And then he says, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and that shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Like This is spiritual. This is not physical. He's telling you you're, you're completely amiss. You've totally missed the mark, this church, Laodicea. But this is important, this part. We read up till 18, that part. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Dad just talked about who we have to be when we're fired up, right? We have to. When we love people, we discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. This is, this is where it gets beautiful. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him. We always say that verse, but we don't finish it. And we'll dine with him. And he with me. And he who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. As I have overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. God is going to allow us who overcome, who love him, to sit on his throne with him. I mean, that's amazing. But our perspective has to be right. Our perspective has to be right. What is our perspective and what is our place in this life? Who are we in these stories? Which person am I? Who have I been? When we read the parashahs, that's what we should be asking ourselves. And then asking God, help me to be who you've called me to be. And if I'm called to be a servant, help me be the best servant I can be. 
And if I'm called to be a king, help me be the best king that I can be. And if I'm called to be a, 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 a housemaid, help me be the best housemaid that I can be. Whatever that is, without complaint, without murmur, without complaint, without, with, with pure focus on what God is doing in who we are and what he's trying to do for us. And there's very, all of us have different positions in life no matter where, where you're at. You, you may be a king in one part of your life and a servant in another. And that means you have to go between them and be exactly who God has called you to be in that place so that you don't get lost, so that our garments can be white, and that one day we can sit on his throne with him. Amazing. I've never read that before. I have read it, but I've never seen it. That one day we will sit on his throne with him. That's awesome. All right.